Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the show. Hope you guys are starting your day off well or your evening or your weekend, depending on when you're listening. Um, remember, we are um, centering mental health. So uh, ask a few people that you care about that you really do mean this. Uh, how's your mental health? Because again, it's how we communicate to people. Hey, I'm actually a resource and someone who you can talk to about these things. Because the familiar, how are you? We all know that's a pleasantry. <laughs> I think we all know that doesn't actually mean, hey, sit and tell me what's on your mind. Tell me your struggles. So we want to use it in uh, meaningful ways. Uh, and tons of self-care, right? Build in some joy some leisure, and some pleasure every single day. And if you can't, your life is out of balance. It shouldn't just be labor and work and depletion every day. It is our right to seek pleasure. It's such a loaded, triggering, pathologized term for someone to say, doing it just for the joy of it. It's really wild, and, and I've talked about this on the show, I see it in myself all the time, internalized capitalism, the sense that my worth, or the worth of anything, my time, my energy, myself, is rooted in whether or not I'm working or producing something, and that's so problematic. Um, we're allowed to just lay on the couch for a few hours of the entire day, and we don't have to defend it by saying, oh, I'm taking a lazy day, you know, I had a really busy, it doesn't matter what you had, you're allowed to take that time, you're allowed to rest, <clears throat> and you're allowed to bring in joy, whether it's a cookie, um, or some eroticism or a, the purchase of something, uh, things have worth and meaning just because they put a smile on your face. It doesn't have to have any meaning or worth beyond that. Um, that, 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 that is inherently mental health centered. We'll talk more about it. It's part of the work I'm always doing with my clients, just chiseling away at that uh, phobia of pleasure and leisure. We really think we have to earn it or defend it. And we don't. And again, like I said, I still see those pieces socialized into me. <laughs> and I'm so hyper aware of these concepts. So God bless the rest of us, you know, who aren't focusing so much um, on it and how trapped they must be. It's really wild. I hear it all the time out in the world, though. You know, people thinking they have to earn the right to eat something. They'll say, oh, I worked out really hard today. I can eat these cookies or it's my birthday or I'll, you know, eat less tomorrow. Oh, my God. You don't have to punish yourself for joy. You don't have to punish yourself for eating. Eat because it makes you happy. It's okay to gain weight. What? Yeah, it's okay to gain weight. Health at every size. Just make sure you're moving your body, make sure you're getting sleep, make sure you're staying hydrated, uh, you know, watch your sodium intake. I know that's a big one, heart disease, number one killer in the world. Um, okay, DMs are always open. I feel like it's like a hodgepodge uh, mental health and physical health check-in. Maybe I should start every show by doing that. How's your blood pressure? You know what I mean? How's your, how's your mobility? 
Um, how's your oral hygiene? Y'all flossing and rinsing and brushing twice a day? Okay, uh, DMs, always open. So if you got a question for us, put it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. It's questions you got, whatever you're wondering about someone else's too. So you're helping them as you're helping yourself. Always, enough, <clears throat> always anonymous, always confidential. And uh, topics, maybe there's a topic you want us to hit, something you want us to circle back to, drop deeper into. Also put that in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. But we're going to talk tonight about a topic that came out of an interesting article. And these things are both sometimes funny. Sometimes they are not surprising. And other times they are horrifying, horrifying when you look at, uh, well, how good and how horrible we can be. So it's basically traits that are most desired in a long-term partner. So what do you, what do you to do with this information? Well, maybe it's just pure entertainment. And you're thinking, wow, look at what the research has showed that the people in the study, and it's quite a large study, have uh, stated it is that they most value and seek in a partner or you know, one that they're looking for or currently have. Uh, and then some of, so there's entertainment because some of this is like, mm. and then other pieces, um, you know, they kind of help us better understand maybe how to move through the world, especially if you're single. What is it and how can I kind of, you know, provide and step into these things? Now, remember, a lot of these things are culturally bound and historically bound. Uh, what does that mean? It means that these things change over place and time and that these might have been different answers a decade ago and they might be a different answer 10 years from now. And uh, cross-culturally, it's going to significantly differ. Different cultures value different things. It's a beautiful thing. But I think uh, here in America, we tend to... <laughs> really universalize what we do here as though that's how the whole world, the, the whole world operates. But what are we 20 or 10% of the total global population? Like there's a lot of other, you know, things going on in the world, but we tend to forget that because American culture is so normalized in other cultures, especially our mental health field. Um, a lot of cultures sadly are using our American diagnostics and, uh, uh diagnostic, um, classifications and diagnoses. And that's not appropriate for other cultures because, because the way we see mental health is very different. And again, we're what, 10, 15, 20% of the total population. I don't remember what the numbers are the rest of the world shouldn't be trying to assimilate or conform with what we deem to be mentally health or mentally, you know, mental wellness. They should be focusing on what they have over there. I have to do a whole show on that. I do a lecture. I do a whole lecture on this as part of <clears throat> the uh, mental health and sex therapy training program that I'm a part of, the only one I actually stand behind. And um, yeah, it's quite fascinating to see how these mental health di di disorders and syndromes, they're metaphors, they're cultural clusters that we create and they're rooted in norms and statistical norms that we want people to align with. And they're not real things. And we just decided that they're problematic, but other cultures normalize some of those and problematize things that we normalize. <clears throat> it's quite fascinating when you really do the comparison. Anyway, coming up next, we're going to talk about the uh, most desired traits in a long-term partner. Some of these were surprising. Some of them weren't. And a whole bunch were horrifying. Stick around, y'all. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. 
It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast oh rachel we are back and we're talking about traits the most desired traits in a long-term partner uh there's a uh, essentially 11 key traits um and uh, these are what some of the research showed are some of the most important parts of long-term, these are the terms they used, long-term relational satisfaction and also durability. I like that word, durability, much like a uh, trash can or a good trash bag, durable. Um, relationship satisfaction is more important for some partner traits than others. So we're going to break these down. This is, I was kind of surprised by some of this um, at what were the top versus what were the bottom and then kind of breaking down what each of these uh, qualifiers actually meant. So the first one's kind of reasonable. Um, the first one was that they are committed to me. <laughs> I think that's a very reasonable number one desirable trait, um, wanting to find someone who was actually committed. And of course, some of these uh, changed a little bit over the course of time, meaning as people were moving further into or, or were in the relationship longer, some of that shifted a little bit. And I think commitment, <clears throat> surprisingly, is often what's lacking because I don't believe that everyone understands what commitment actually means. Commitment in the attachment-based world, we're talking about secure attachment styles, primary partnerships, it would mean a primacy. It would mean that I'm looking to form a unit with you. It's somewhat of a regressive fusion. It really is going from a me and an I to an us and a we. And I look and listen and try to help people move towards that perspective. I want to hear that terminology when I'm working with a couple to understand that they are truly committed. Because some people actually operate sometimes for the dura entire duration of their long-term relationship with one foot in and one foot out. And... Um, and, and what we're going to get to is trust itself is actually further down the list. And the first level is, you know, as I said, commitment. And 
commitment is this idea <clears throat> that when we form a primary partnership, there's a fusion. And we've talked about this on the show, interpersonal neurobiology, um, somatics, and attachment research will really beautifully walk you through um, how our brains and our nervous systems wire when we have a primary relationship with someone. We seek that. And that's where we do impact each other. And um, some people are unsure and they're on the fence and that's really toxic for a relationship. We ideally want to find a primary partner that's interested wholly in being a part. They're willing to have their schedule and their sense of self disrupted because that's part of a relationship where we are both changed and it becomes us and a we. And we do consider the impact we have on each other in our decision making. And we also take seriously that our partner is in our care and everything we say and do impacts their mental health and their well being. And we take that very seriously. That's part of that commitment and that we're going to stick around and deal with difficult times. That's commitment. But if every time we have a difficult uh, day or difficult conversation, you threaten to leave or you're abusive or attack or put me down, that is a lack of commitment and a lack of love. That's actually you acting out that one foot out because true commitment, true care is you saying, I'm in this, we're going to work through this. I'm available to you. You're important to me. And, um, it's kind of black and white in a lot of ways. So really, really, really think about that. How committed are you to this person? Um, I, I think that a lot of relational issues sometimes are rooted in someone unconsciously picking up on the lack of commitment coming from their partner. And understandably, it's very scary. Um, now, here's one of the ones that bums me out. <laughs> it's the first one. Again, we're talking about the most desirable traits as reported by uh, two different research uh, projects. And the data was analyzed using statistical approaches and um, bucket categories, blah, blah, blah. And... Um, they, they were essentially, they pulled out 75 traits and they were able to kind of collapse them down into 11. So again, the first one was committed to me. The second one that bums me out a little bit is the second most desirable trait is that they're well off. And that's a, you know, it's a little bit of elitism. That's a little bit of classism. And at the same time, that's capitalism, meaning a lot of people are aware that we can't get our, okay, let me say it differently. A lot of, we're, we're aware that we have to earn a living. You're not inherently given the basic needs so you can thrive and survive. You have to earn the right to healthcare and housing and food and shelter, and that's gross. Everyone should just inherently have access to that because they're a human being. So a lot of people realize that. They're like, well, listen, when I get into a relationship, wouldn't it be great if financially I could benefit from it or they could help take the load off of me and my family or whatever it is? I appreciate that. So I think is some of it ego and people just want status? Um, sure. But then I think there are some people that are struggling financially. They're aware of the way the world works and they would prefer and maybe benefit from some of that financial care and support. So I think it's social and cultural and I also think it's individual, but that was kind of fascinating. And that's a little bit of a bummer because I guess in some of these traits, you have to really decide what's most important to you. The fantasy you, you have of what you think a relationship or partner should be or should look like, or the reality of just finding the love, care and support you want. So that was a clunky one. Um, and that was, <clears throat> yeah, that was pretty close to number one. So the well-off one threw me off. Um, the next one I think is interesting as well. Uh, this one definitely shifts based on what's going on in the relationship. And that's why I remember whenever we're talking about relational research, you have to hold it very lightly, take it seriously, but don't take it literally. I want you to do that with all research because really all research can ever really tell us is what 
the outcome of research really can only best speak to the people that were researched. And those are typically college students for a lot of these things. But nonetheless, that doesn't mean it applies to everyone. That doesn't mean it's right for everyone. That doesn't even mean it's healthy. It just means statistically, this is what most people are saying or doing. Well, well, stati- well it means more the people we studied, but yes, you can apply it in some ways. Anyway, point being, <laughs> don't panic if you're single and you're hearing this list and you're thinking, oh my God, I'm not desirable. I won't survive. There are people that fall on either side of any statistical norm or mean, right? Uh, <laughs> standard deviation plus and minus. So there's other things that we're going to, we're going to talk about. So don't panic. This isn't meant to fire any alarms. It's meant to be more entertaining actually. Um, okay. When we come back, we're going to finish this up and then we're going to do some DMs. So if you've got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Questions, topics, things you want us to circle back, drop deeper into, and uh, past episodes of the show. Always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline, and click on it. Binge, post, we listen, and share. We'll be back listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, y'all, we are back, and we're talking about these uh, most desirable traits. Committed to me was the number one, of course, makes sense in a, you know, committed primary relationship, but you kind of want to have that commitment. And a lot of people don't display that commitment by being abusive or toxic. Um, every time things are hard or difficult, they step out, maybe they threaten to leave or they actually do. That really erodes that trust and commitment. And that's someone who's not healthy enough or ready to be a primary partner or it's you and it's your behavior. We always want to look at ourselves first and say, what might I be doing that's leading to them, that's leading them to react this way? Because you might be the problem. Uh, maybe it's that you're not safe to be gone to, or you're not safe to have intimate conversations with. And as a result, they're constantly unsure if this is something they can commit to or be a part of. So we don't always want to just pathologize and shame the other person and say, you're stonewalling me, you're avoidant, you can't handle intimacy, you're not committed. Let's first look at how we're presenting. And are we worthy of being committed to? Are we worthy of them sticking around doing the work with? Or are we a complete nightmare? Are we dysregulated? Are we abusive? Like really look at your part in that relational system. We don't ever want to completely remove ourselves from that. We, we are always contributing something. Even if we're not initiating or starting it, we're still keeping maybe the ball in the air in our responses and our reactions. So you can change that system by just changing yourself. Um, so the first one was committed to me. The second one was well off. And I was saying, yeah, I mean, for some people, they're definitely classist and materialist and you know they really just want financial uh, benefits and other people it's more about security and their basic needs aren't met and they'd really love to find that in a partner and I appreciate that that's part of the system we have um, the the next one is I love this one gives me sexual satisfaction well yeah if you're going to be in a committed monogamous relationship you want to have sexual satisfaction that's part of the deal otherwise you're committing to some really lower level sex um, out of anxiety I get it uh, out of seeking safety and comfort I get it but you really want to think about that one it's the third most desirable sought out trait sexual satisfaction and it should be what a beautiful gift of being in a relationship with someone is having access to sex and eroticism and again if you're monogamous that's your only access so their limits are your limits and also it's a beautiful tool to have deeper levels of intimacy and connection and closeness with your partner and outside of those that are dealing with sexual trauma or are asexual ask yourself, why would I not want to have that level of access and connection and depth with my partner? Why would I want to deny them pleasure? And, um, are you dealing with anger and resentment? Like what's going on that's making you not want that with this person? Because that is part of why we have primary partnerships. 
And if that's not there for you, really ask yourself what that's about. And is this the right partner or relationship for you? Or is the sex not worth having? It needs to be worked on. Like what's really going on? Is there a lack of trust? Is there anger and resentment that needs to be worked through? Because it's not enough to just say, we don't have eroticism and I want more. Like let's figure out what's what's going on here, right? It, it's a really important psychological function and we can really learn a lot about ourselves and our relationship by using it as an entry point. Is it about our relationship to our body? Is it about our relationship to our partner's body? Is it about anxiety with closeness and, and uh, intimacy? Is it about, like I said, unresolved issues that are not making us feel safe settling down and being that vulnerable with each other? Um, or is it just obstacles? Like we go to bed at different times. We like different kinds of sexuality. The dog is sleeping between us. Remove those obstacles, dismantle those and move on, you know? Um, but, but use it as, as a starting point for a really important conversation. Don't just think the issue is a lack of sex. And as long as we get back to it, all's well, you know, and then we're functioning. No, we want to understand what's going on. Uh, we learn a lot about ourselves, our partners and our relationships by really interrogating that aspect of ourselves. So do that. Um, also, like I said, the first point looking at maybe why we're not fully committed to this partner as well. You know, why do we have one foot out of this relationship? <clears throat> because this is our well-being. This is our mental health. And, um, you know, and also for single people, these are things for you to think about as well. Like what, what's most desirable for you when you're out there dating, date more mindfully. What is it you're seeking? But here's the thing. I always want people to ask themselves, but what part of me is saying I want or need this element in a relationship or a partner? Is it a higher self and you should stand behind it? Or is it a lower self an anxious self? And you shouldn't honor it and stand behind it because sometimes we want partners to do for us what we won't or can't do for ourselves. Sometimes we want partners to save us. We don't want to do the difficult work of building career or financial stability. We'd rather just have that given to us. Well, that's a lot of anxiety and that's going to maybe force you to make the wrong decisions because you're being guided by a principle seeking something that has nothing to do with maybe the person's health. So you're finding that element. Well, you found the person who's well off, but what is it like to be with them on an intimate level? And you get to choose the hierarchy of what your priorities are. And so for some people, they're like, it's fine. Um, for other people, they want more. So just, again, ask yourself, the things I think I'm, I'm needing, what part of myself is asking for that? A healthy part? Honor it then. Or an unhealthy, fragile part. And then I want to see, you know, is that really what I want to be guided by? It's kind of like when, you know, we say don't ever send an email or a text when you're angry. You don't want to be guided by that. <laughs> you don't want to be guided by your insecurities and fragilities either. Never a good decision-making rubric, you know? Um, all right, when we come back, we're going to do some DMs, and then we'll get back to the uh, most desirable traits in a partner, as per a lot of research. Uh, if you've got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Questions, topics, things you want us to circle back, drop deeper into, and past episodes of the show. Always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline, click on it, bam, bam, post, listen. Lots of good stuff you got to unlearn and relearn. You know, you got to work on that perspective. Stick around though, more to come. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all, we are back. And now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, my family's been going through a pretty rough time lately. I feel like we can't catch a break. Uh, my heart goes out because there's a lot of people that are dealing with, you know, micro, macro, and meso level issues. You know, micro is things that's going on in their own individual lives with maybe themselves, what's going on in their own individual world. Meso would be what's going on in their families or their local neighborhoods, um, work. And then there's the macro. We have all these mass murders. We have 
um, state legislators taking bodily autonomy and human rights away. We have uh, climate change, war, all these different layers, which can just amplify and amplify and amplify. It's heartbreaking. Um, <clears throat> you said, I feel like we can't get to break. Last week, my uncle and aunt decided to announce their divorce after 21 years. I do want to hold space quickly and just say, and I know you're going to give me a little bit more. Let's not always assume that a divorce or a breakup is a bad thing. It can sometimes be a result of people realizing we've taken this as far as we can or should, and we've grown in different ways, and we're now going to go find happiness in other places. I don't want people to think that something ending means it was a failure or something bad happened. Most things end. Uh, we're not at the same job forever all the time. Sometimes we drift away from friends. Sometimes we relocate from a city or a home we grew up in. Um, lots of different things shift and change and um, relationships are like that as well. Maybe it was also toxic and so we should be proud of them both for exiting and going to find something better and healthier. So, you know, the length of time of something doesn't determine its worth or value. Not everything's meant to be forever, including relationships, but we've gotten this odd idea that once you commit or get married or move in together or have kids, that that should then be forever, has to be, or something's wrong. But what an odd thing that we apply because that doesn't exist in any, in any other area of our lives, but somehow we, we demand that that lasts forever, but people grow and change. And sometimes we grow and change in miss, uh, in opposite directions where we're not really compatible or aligned anymore. It doesn't have to be a bad thing. Um, I'm proud of a lot of people who have left marriages and relationships that weren't right or good for them anymore, or just weren't making them happier. Maybe they sought something else out. <clears throat> I had a guest on a show a couple years ago and she told this beautiful story. She's now a sex educator. And she was saying that she was watching a show um, and she saw this amazing romantic love scene. And she realized she hadn't had that and didn't want that with her husband. And she said, I wasn't willing to go another day without having passion, respect, love and eroticism in my life and she left that relationship kindly and they're still friends and she's moved on and found what she's looking for and now has a new career even as a sex educator um that's a beautiful story i'm proud of that relationship ending it needed to so i just want us to hold space for that uh back to the uh, question this one says you know, they decided to announce their divorce after 21 years. I, I appreciate that that's still a big deal, even if it's a good thing. There's an identity shift. They both have to learn how to live on their own, get their needs met. We have to separate them even in our minds. Like, I appreciate that even when good, there's still a lot to it. Um, but you said, my aunt and I are very close. So she now wants me to go out with her all the time. And she's dealing with the divorce in a self-harming way with drugs and alcohol. Oh, see, that hurts my heart. I feel like I can't tell her no but this isn't the right way to handle things. Uh, I agree. You know, when we have difficult or stressful times, we rely on certain coping mechanisms and we hope that they're ones that make our lives better and not make our lives worse. Sadly, your aunt is choosing drugs and alcohol. I appreciate that she wants to not have to feel. I appreciate that maybe she wants to try to bring some joy, some distraction, um, be a good influence on her. All we can do in someone's life is, is make requests or influence. You can make a request. Hey, I love you. I, I'm worried about what you're doing. I'd love to see you make better decisions. That's a request. You can make it. She's an adult. She decides what she does. Or you influence her. Hey, let's go to the park. Hey, let's go see a movie. Hey, let's go shopping. Let's do things that don't involve drugs and alcohol. So I want to hold you accountable to not participating in the in the use of drugs and alcohol problematically with her, which would be a reinforcement and, and a sign of support. Love her from afar. Let her be where she is. Try to influence her positively. Try to make requests for her to make better decisions. Stay in her life because we need people around us. You know, when we're struggling, that's the best we can do, you know, and, and, and try to reduce the harm of her, of her use to the best you can and get family support 
and let her know that she loved and cared for. And also let her understand that there's more to come and help her lean into that. You know, that's all we really can do. But I'm glad that she has you. And also just track how this is impacting your own mental health as well. You know, um, all right, that's our DM. If you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline AG page. Questions, topics, things you want us to circle back to, drop deeper into. Stick around though. We got a whole lot more to come, y'all. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all, we are back and uh, we're talking about the most desirable traits in a partner. We're talking about being committed. I think that's very fair. We want a certain level of commitment. Um, well off was the second one. We really unpacked the heck out of that one. Sexual satisfaction. Uh, what's interesting about that one, though, is that, you know, we want compatibility. That's, you know, what's it like for us to socialize together, be out in the world, conversations, emotions. Uh, sexual chemistry is awesome, adds a little spice and a little fire. However, we also know from the research that um, when couples are doing well, they actually tend to put less importance on their sex life. And that's because they're doing well. They have other things to think of that makes them happy and feel good about the relationship. They have access to other things that make them feel close and connected to each other because things are going well. They're getting along. Lots of conversation, probably some flirtation, affection. So whatever they deem to be quote unquote sex isn't isn't doesn't have as much pressure or attention on it, right? However, when couples aren't doing well, they put a lot more importance on the quality or lack of sex. They crank it up and they focus on it more and they start being a little more bothered and upset by it because it's more lack. And I guess they realize that's a resource that I wish I had or could have and we put more attention and care upon it. Um, so there's that. Okay, so what's the next one? This one is what I would have thought, or most of us would have thought would have been right near the top. Trust, trust and faithfulness. It's number, it's number five. Remember the first one's commitment, then being well off, then sexual satisfaction. Oh, sorry, I skipped one. We'll come back to the trust and faithfulness. The fourth one is makes compromises. Kinda interesting, important, but interesting that that comes before trust and faithfulness. Now, the quality of a relationship is definitely gonna be rooted in the flexibility, and that's what it means to make comp uh, comp uh, compromises, is to have flexibility, willingness to be disrupted, willingness to accommodate someone else's needs. I think that is vital, and I think that almost goes back to the first one, commitment. That's a, a sign of commitment that I'm willing to have my life disrupted. I say it all the time. You can't expect your life to be exactly as it is, structured the same way, same priorities in play, going to bed same time, everything's the same. And that when you are in a relationship or marriage, you're just going to drop someone seamlessly in and you're not going to be disrupted. That's not a real relationship. Real relationship is disruption. You're staying up later now, maybe you're not going to your basketball game on Wednesday nights because instead your partner and you watch a TV show and cook dinner. Like, I, I don't know how it ebbs and flows. Yes, I want you to keep your friends. Yes, you should still see your family. Yes, you should still get to have your hobbies. So I'm not saying your life should shrink down, but it should change. Maybe you're coming home earlier from the office because your partner's like, hey, I'd rather not not see you or I'd rather not see you as we're just climbing into bed. Your life's going to change. Yes. And um, so I like that one makes compromises. Uh, we do and make decisions based on what's in the best interest of both of us and our relationship. That is a sign of commitment. So again, this connects back to the first one. And actually, I think it connects to the next one, trust and faithfulness, where that is, again, demonstrated by you care enough about me that I see us as an us and a we. You are in my care and I take that seriously. I consider the impact on you and our relationship in my decision making in a macro and micro way. And that's about compromises. 
where you maybe are willing to go see a horror movie with me, even you don't like that. Or you're willing to sometimes go see a concert or go to a game, even though that might not be your favorite thing, but you make that compromise because it's important to me, because you get to spend time with me, because you feel good when I feel good, because if I'm happy, it also makes you happy. So they all kind of like intersect, but uh, making compromises is very important because otherwise you're dealing with someone very rigid and then you start to feel like you're losing yourself and your world is getting smaller and you don't really know where you fit in. And that's why, again, I never talk about equality. I talk about equity. Everyone has the same amount of power and influence. We're not always going to be doing 50-50 for everything, but we feel like our voice matters and our needs matter and we get what we need. You know, everyone's needs are met. You might not need, I'm trying to think of an example, but it's okay for us to put ourselves out for our partner and to give them things that they need that we might not need. It's not fair as fair. And we accommodate. And so that compromise piece I think is vast. And that shows mental health. You know, flexibility is a big one. Flexibility, adaptability are really important personal mental health attributes. I want everyone to ask themselves, how adaptable and flexible am I in the world? Because a lot of mental disorder and illness is rooted in rigidity, in inability to deal with the day-to-day, in inability to roll with the different things that are going to occur in, in life and in the world. There's always going to be some conflicts, some struggles, some struggles, some issues. We have to be able to roll with those. So relationships are the same. So that one kind of makes sense. And then we drop down into, again, faithfulness and trustworthiness. And I would have thought that would have been more at the top. But again, it kind of is when we talk about commitment. But Wow. And that's another one I don't think people really understand. I don't think people understand commitment. I don't think people understand love. And I don't think people understand trust. And I think some of that's rooted in our toxic individualism where we are obsessed with doing me. What about me? What means, you know, what's right for me? Putting myself first. We get it. We're self-obsessed and we're narcissistic. We get it. We need to work on saying, but what about my partner? What about my neighborhood? What about my community? How does that impact my state? How does that impact global health? Like we need more of a collective perspective. We're going to talk more about that. Um, when we come back. So uh, stick around. They've got some DMs. Drop those questions in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. But uh, yeah, more to come. We'll talk about the desirable traits. Uh, yes, lots to learn. Stick around. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, y'all, we are back and uh, we're breaking down the uh, most desirable traits in a partner. Some of these are surprising. I would have assumed the order was a little bit different. First one was committed, commitment. It's very desirable, makes sense. Then someone being well off. Eh, we're very materialistic culture. I get it. Don't agree with it, but I get it. I think it's a really bad way to choose a partner for a lot of us, not for everyone. I appreciate that, you know, the way the system works. Then we talked about sexual satisfaction, then compromises, because we all need a little more flexibility and fluidity. We need to be more willing to be disrupted in service of someone else's needs. Yeah, we need more of that. Um, and then we got to trustworthiness and faithfulness. They're the same combined. And I thought that that would be a little bit further up. So what, what even are the, the factors of this? I, I love this. I could do a whole show on what creates trust and trustworthiness. And as always, please start by assessing yourself before you start assessing your partner and pointing the finger and figuring out whether or not they're trustworthy. So what are the elements of trustworthiness? Well, based on secondary research, not coming from this article, I can tell you that it's honesty, transparency, accountability, ethics, and alliance building. I know it's a lot of qualities. We could do a whole show on it. We're going to do a quick, deep dive. Uh, basically, though, the question we ask when we're talking about are, are we are we trustworthy, are we worthy of trust, is are we there for 
others? Are we there for, if we're talking about our trustworthiness within this marriage or relationship, are we there for our partner? If we're talking about a friendship, are we there for that friend? That's what builds trust. Them knowing that they can count on us. Consistent, reliable, available, and responsive. That's attachment languaging. Provide that for everyone in your life and seek that from everyone in your life. Consistent, available, reliable, and responsive, especially when you're dating. That's what you're looking for. That's what you're providing. But that's also what we want to offer people outside of that. Do my friends, my family members, my loved ones, do people know that I'm there for them? And it falls under being honest or are they deceptive? Because remember, trustworthiness, honest, transparency, accountable, ethics, and alliance building. Honesty is we don't lie. We're not deceptive. They know that what we say is what's happening and that they can count on that. If I say I'm going to be there, I'll be there. And if I can't, I'll tell you. Um, we're not deceptive. We don't gaslight. We don't mislead. Also, what falls under trust, and I'm going to do a whole show on this again, is we're transparent. We let people know what we're thinking and needing. I know I love my friends that are transparent with me. I know that if I've upset them, they'll tell me. And if I ask, they'll tell me. And so I always know what time it is. I always know where I stand. And I know that if I don't, I can ask them and they'll let me know. And they'll say, yeah, you really let me down and bummed me out. And I'm like, oh my God, let's talk about it. And they'll be there for us to talk about it. Also, accountability. Do they do what they say they're going to do? Do they take responsibility for what they did or didn't do? And I, and again, important to having a partner where they're like, you know what? You did ask me on the way home to pick up, you know, broccoli and I did forget, or I chose to prioritize something else instead. I'm really sorry. I, I knew that you wanted that. And instead I chose to go get, you know, kombucha somewhere. I don't know. This is welcome to my life. These are the kinds of things that would be happening in my household. Where's the, where's the broccoli? I got kombucha instead. Jerk. You know, we actually, I don't do name calls. And I don't stay with people that do name calling. So the word jerk would never be used because in a loving relationship, even when you're upset or angry or disappointed, we don't get violent. And that's a form of verbal abuse. Name calling is violence. It's psychologically abusive, 100%. Um, other forms of trust are ethics. We know that this person has good standards. We don't have to monitor them or police them. If you're in a relationship with someone romantically or sexually and you feel like you have to monitor them and police them and ask them who they're with and you know go through their phone, then... You don't believe either that they have good ethics, meaning that left to them, left to themselves, that they're going to do the right thing. Then you either have, again, an issue with your partner, they're not worthy of trust, or you have to learn how to trust. I say that a lot on the show. And then finally, alliance. Trustworthiness is, I know that they're on my side. They wouldn't talk poorly of me to me. They wouldn't talk poorly of me when I'm not in the room. And if something came up, they would defend me. That's alliance building. So again, trust is rooted in all of those. And we want to first ask ourselves, like, are these things that I'm providing and bringing into my relationships or not? And if so, that might be part of why we have some of the problems we have. <clears throat> um, I kind of want to throw something else in there Why we're on the topic. <laughs> uh, let me just see if this would fit in somewhere else in here. Yeah, kind of. So we'll come back to it. Ready for the next one? <laughs> this one's really old school. So again, we're talking about the desirable traits. This is pulled from a lot of different research. First one was commitment is most desirable. Then the partner being well off, kind of gross. Then sexual satisfaction. Then they make compromises. Awesome. We want them to be fluid, flexible. Then they're worthy of trust. Ready for this one? They're a good cook slash housekeeper. Now, could we say what that really means is they are an adult 
and they help prepare food and they're good at uh, taking care of the household and they, you know, they're a participant in cleaning and fixing things up. Okay. I like that version. I hope it's not gendered because of course all studies assume everyone's heterosexual. And so we're talking about a man with a woman. That's always the assumption, which is part of the problem with research is, well, if the couple's gay or non-binary or trans, there is no social gender training. And so there are different expectations of equality in that way. So like that, that's why a lot of this stuff is heterocentric and you can add in a lot of other isms. Um, not surprising. People do often consider cleanliness and um, tidiness, but we're not going to unpack that one much more. Uh, the next one is that they're positive. You know, a very robust piece of research came out recently that showed one of the most important elements of, of, of relational readiness or dating readiness that we should seek in ourselves that communicates to us that we are ready to be a partner or we're going to be a good partner. And I've actually said this myself and the research is backing it up. The number one thing is that you're a happy person, because if you're not a happy person, you're going to put a lot of responsibility on your partner to make you happy. And you're not going to be a positive entity or influence in their life. You're negative. You're cranky. You don't like where you are in your life. That's not, you're not ready to be brought into someone's life at that point. You're not going to have a positive impact on them. So I like that that was called out. They want someone who's positive, someone who likes what they're doing, someone who likes themselves, someone who likes what they're doing in the world. And that's some, a powerful influence to bring into our lives. When someone's brought into our lives, they influence us. And so seeking positivity is important. So if you're not a happy person, you don't like what's going on in your world, work on that. If you're already married or in a relationship, definitely work on that. Get into some therapy, do the work. We talk about how to do that all the time on the show. Um, that's an important, that's important. I think that actually should be further up on the list, you know? Um, all right. When we come back, we're going to keep talking about the, uh, most important traits. Stick around y'all. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to love line with Dr. Chris on channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all. We are back and we're talking about the most desirable traits. We ended on uh, positivity. They want someone who's positive. Yeah, you want to work on being more positive, um, work on finding happiness. Do I value the friends I have? Do I value what I do with my time work-wise? Do I value what I do with my downtime? What kind of influence would I have on someone if they brought me into their life? Would I make their life harder? Like that is an important thing to assess and think about. Um, we can't just be looking at them and what they're bringing in. And then I also love this. How about we cherish, not trash? How about we have gratefulness, not resentment? Try to work on reorienting that. Make your relationship more positive. Spend less time thinking about everything that you're frustrated or disappointed in and instead focus on what you cherish. Focus on what you're grateful for. Stop comparing them to others or to exes. That's not a fair comparison. This is a different person. It's not fair for someone to be held up to those comparisons. They are who they are and they are allowed to be exactly how they are and that's who you're with. And if you don't want to be with that person, bounce. But if you choose to be with them, commit and, and, and accept. Cause if we don't deal with some disappointments and frustrations, and we are literally saying we do want perfect and perfect doesn't exist. So we have to allow some deficits, some lacks, some things that are a little bit of an annoyance. We can still be positive and in a great relationship with all that. Then the next one was fun to be with, which kind of ties back to the one before about being positive. That makes sense. This is our companion in the world. They influence us. We take them out with us. We want them to enhance. We want us to be able to laugh. Humor is such a higher level coping mechanism. It's a really great coping mechanism. You know a couple's doing well when one of them's getting heated or frustrated or conflicts brewing and one can make a joke and it's not patronizing and it's not a put down and they both soften and they laugh. Humor is awesome, higher level coping, but you have to use it at the right time in the right way. It can feel patronizing, it can feel dismissive, belittling. Um, so you gotta do it in the way that you, you know they know that you're there, you respect them, and you're just trying to kind of lighten it up. Then the next one was does well with friends and family. 
I'm always on the fence about this one. I appreciate why people want their partner to fit into their social and familial world, but it's okay if they don't. It's okay for you to hang out with your friends without them and not everything has to be a big club. You know, um, in my relationships, I don't always love my, my partner's friends. And I'm like, you go see them. You know, I'll see them sometimes on the nights to meet them, but like not my jam, go hang out with them and I'll, you know, read a book or go hiking when you're with them. Family, that's cool to enjoy support and value, but I don't, you know, again, don't always need to be with their family. You're forming your own unit outside of that. You have to have respect and be kind, but you don't have to necessarily have compatibility and, 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 and you know, value as much as they do. It's okay. Those incongruences are okay. Just value and respect it. Um, the next one was that they're romantic. Again, really shockingly low on the list. I think romance is an undervalued thing. You know, we have to stay in the courtship cycle. No matter how committed you are, no matter how married, no matter how much time has gone by, still flirt, still try to attract, still court. That's what keeps the energy alive. You know, relationships aren't static things. They're dynamic things, open systems. They're active. They need constant participation. It's not a bad thing. It, it's a resource. It reflects back. It, it, it's good for us. And then finally, common interests. That's about social compatibility. You know, it's really great if we're physically and romantically compatible. It's really great that we're psychologically and emotional. We like spending time together and talking through things. Social compatibility is a big one for some people. If they're very, very, very athletic, very, very, very outdoorsy, it's going to be very hard on you if that's what your friends do. That's what you like to do through downtime. That's maybe what you like to do for your vacations. It's going to be really hard on you if you're with someone who's very indoorsy. And also maybe if you like to drink a lot or use drugs and you like to party, maybe you're in the nightlife scene or whatever it is, and you're with a partner who doesn't drink or doesn't like, you know, clubs and loud music like me, that's not going to work. I don't want to spend my weekends or my holidays in a loud, dark club or bar, you know, or a party. So I would personally want to be with someone who has different interests on that level where that's always what they're feeling drawn towards. Um, I like more reflective, uh, soothing um, transformative experiences <laughs> with art and nature and travel. So no right or wrong or better or worse. It's just different. And, you know, when you build a life with someone, you want them to often be a part of. And so some of those values are important again for planning holidays and trips and weekends. Um, so you do want to ask that stuff, you know, and if you're already with someone, you do want to go back to what we talked about earlier on that list about that flexibility, compromising, saying, is there a way that I can find value in it or participate in it? at all. And if not, can I respect it and support it from a distance? Just because I don't want to do something or enjoy something doesn't mean it's bad or wrong or our partners have to stop. They just might have to do it with a different friend. You know what I mean? Um, you might not be into the bar scene, so let them go with their best friend and hit the bars and have a drink and dance a little bit. You know what I mean? We're, we're only in relationships with people we trust, and if we don't, we're getting out of them, so there should be no concerns about that. Babe, have fun. See when you get home. See in the morning. Don't wake me up when you come in. You know what I mean? That's what it should sound like. Anything short of that, go back to that list and work on it. You know, um, we don't want to make someone's life harder because we were brought into it. That's not the goal of relationship. Their life should be made better and bigger. Conflict happens. Relationships take work, but not that much work. They take work, but it shouldn't be a lot of work. That means it's not compatible or you're just not willing to do the work yourself to make it work. You know, um, all right, so when we come back, we're going to do some DMs. So if you've got a DM first, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Questions you got? Helping someone else as you're helping yourself out. Always anonymous, always confidential. Or maybe there's a topic you want us to hit because we haven't covered it yet. Drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Or there's maybe something you want us to hit again or circle back and drop deeper into. Happens all the time. People will be like, hey, can you talk again or talk more about? And I'm always happy to do that. Repetition's important. You can't hear something too much. I'm always repeating certain concepts so that you get familiar familiar with them and so that you internalize them. 
It's like what I do in therapy. All right, stick around, y'all. We'll be back. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Modelo, the markable fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. All right, y'all, we are back, and uh, now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. And I'm 27 years old. I've always wanted to be a mom, but lately I'm having such bad anxiety about the possibility of bringing a kid into this world that I don't think it's worth it anymore. My friends say I'm being dramatic, but I really feel anxious all the time about it. Uh, I actually had a friend tell me I was being dramatic about it as well. I was saying, (laughs) I was saying to my friend, I'm disappointed in America. Uh, I've been disappointed in America for a very long time with the way we handle pretty much everything. Um, I'm disappointed in the world. I'm looking at what's going on with climate change and we refuse to change our dietary habits, which are, which is among the top three things that has the most damaging ecological impact, uh, along with fashion, fast fashion and, uh, automobiles and transportation. And we just don't want to be made uncomfortable. We want easy solutions. Like we'll recycle, we'll turn the lights off, shorter showers. And it's like, those are little band-aids on a gig- on a bigger wound. We need to make larger structural systemic changes. And then we see abortion rights being taken away and people trying to control other people's bodies. Um, all sorts of stuff is happening. Y'all watch the news, <clears throat> uh, what's going on in Ukraine still and around the world war. It's quite gross. The homelessness, um, there are, I think there's a study and I'm not going to call the city out specifically, but they were saying that there's more available housing in a city. Um, there's more unhoused, there's more available housing in a city than there are unhoused people and we could be placing them. So there, there's so much going on that's wrong. Um, and I appreciate what you're saying. Why would I want to bring my child into a world that I think is a you know trash can fire? <laughs> and I'm not going to advocate that you do. And I'm not going to advocate for toxic positivity and say, find the bright side, because I think both are true. I think two opposites can exist at the same time. I think that moments of joy and celebration can occur on this planet, in this country, while also acknowledging that there's a lot wrong. Um, I don't disagree with you. I wouldn't right now want to bring a child into this current situation. <clears throat> I couldn't feel comfortable or safe. I uh, Let's talk about how it is uh, having a trickle-down effect. I'm not uh, in grade school, but watching the, you know, 
what occurred in the supermarket and what occurred in the grade school, your, your brain, your brain's job is to protect you. Your brain's job is to very quickly and in a very broad way encode signs of danger. Your brain's very associative. It will pick up on the smallest signals. Well, my brain did because I watch the news every day and I was walking into the gym the other day. We've heard, we've heard no gunfire happen at gyms, but yet I walked into a gym and my first thought was, oh, wow, I'm in a public space. I wonder if an armed gunman would ever think to come here. I wonder what that would be like. My brain has logged public spaces as not safe and as a possible place in which gunfire could happen. I don't want to bring child into that. I will instill that anxiety in them. I can't imagine sending my child off to school. In fact, I think I'd pull my child out of school right now. I wouldn't be willing to risk it. The amount of school shootings we've had in one year or since the start of this year is so heartbreaking. I don't think I could safely send my child to school. I honestly believe I would start homeschooling if I had the ability. I don't want to bring child into that anxiety. I'd make them so afraid of the world and I wouldn't be proud of the world. I'd be talking about the racism, the homophobia, the transphobia. It's, it's gross. So I'm with you. I don't have anything positive to say. I don't think you're wrong. I think you're, I think you're, you're critically analyzing what's going on and you're sensitive enough and compassionate enough to know that stuff is not okay. I think your friends are in a healthy or unhealthy state of denial. It really depends on what their needs are, but they're in denial or they're not a critical thinker or they're, you know, just like most of us in America worried about what's happening in our neighborhood and the gunfire didn't happen there. And we don't really care about the, you know, environment and global warming, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know. You know, we come up with different ways to get through the day, (laughs) uh, depersonalizing, um, denial, uh, minimization, um, (laughs) you know, fantasy, toxic positivity. These are all different tools sometimes applied, you know, in a, in a healthy way, but yeah, I don't have much to say other than I think your thinking makes a lot of sense. That's all I got for you. Uh, I'm not going to talk you out of it because I don't think it's our job to produce and have children if that's not right for us. You know, it's something that I'm not interested in either. Um, so be where you are and, uh, Tell your friends that, you know, that's the world we live in and that's how you see that. But also you're 27 or 28. I forget what you said. So you still have time. You always have time to think about that. You can adopt at any point, have children down the road. Not that I think things are going to change dramatically in the next few years. So, all right, so that is our show ending on a happy note. So uh, you go out there, you be kind to yourselves, be kind to those around you. Give 70% max. We're not trying to burn out. Center your life, enjoy pleasure and leisure, and we'll see you tomorrow night. Y'all be well. As always, thanks for hanging out and you enjoy the rest of your night. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Odyssey is
is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Thank <laughs> you.